You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Southwest flights are back in the air after an IT issue disrupted them yesterday. Paradise ransomware source code has been leaked online. Some networked camera feeds may be accessible to unauthorized viewers. TSA is preparing a second, more prescriptive pipeline cybersecurity directive. The Russo-U.S. summit is underway. Our guest is Jay Paz from Cobalt on bad actors targeting hackers. Joe Kerrigan looks at malware hosted on Steam. And the face of Anonymous has been extradited from Mexico to the U.S. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, June 16th, 2021. U.S. domestic carrier Southwest Airlines has restored normal service after an IT incident caused about 500 flights to be canceled and delayed roughly 1,300 more. The U.S. Federal Aviation Administration halted Southwest Airlines flights in a temporary ground stop Tuesday after Southwest experienced IT issues with its reservation systems. The ground stop was lifted early in the afternoon. Despite the widespread alarm on Twitter to the effect that Southwest had to have been a ransomware victim, that seems to have not been the case. The Wall Street Journal puts the incident down to what the airline called a systems issue and connectivity problems, so it was apparently a glitch and not an attack. Tuesday's outage represents the second time in two days that Southwest IT problems snarled flight scheduling. On Monday evening, flights were delayed when other connectivity issues interfered with a third-party weather data provider's ability to deliver its information to the airline. The barriers to entry in the ransomware market, already unpleasantly low, may soon get even lower. The source code for the Paradise strain of ransomware, a commodity in the ransomware-as-a-service criminal market since it appeared on the scene in 2017, has been leaked and posted to the XSS Hacking Forum, Bleeping Computer Reports. It's now available for free, at least to active participants in the XSS Forum. 
Among the alerts CISA issued yesterday was one concerning a vulnerability in ThruTech's P2P software development kit, a supply chain risk for networked camera vendors who use the P2P SDK. The risk the vulnerability poses is unauthorized viewing of video. Security firm Nozomi has published an account of the issue. They point out that it's difficult for users of networked cameras to identify the provenance of peer-to-peer functionality or the security of the software that delivers it, and so they recommend that the best way to prevent captured audio-video content from being viewed by strangers over the Internet is to disable peer-to-peer functionality. CISA's alert contains a set of useful mitigations. TSA is preparing a second pipeline cybersecurity directive, FCW reports. This one will focus on risk mitigation. Sonia Proctor, TSA's assistant administrator for surface operations, yesterday told subcommittees of the House Homeland Security Committee that the coming directive will be a security-sensitive information document and will be rather prescriptive in terms of the mitigation measures required. The summit between Presidents Biden and Putin is now underway in Geneva. The American side is expected to raise Russian complicity in cybercrime. The Russian side is expected to offer extradition of criminals to the U.S. if the U.S. will honor similar Russian extradition requests. The Guardian is following the summit's progress. The close attention this meeting is expected to give cybersecurity issues probably represents a new normal in Russo-American relations. The New York Times observes that these summits are now about cyber the way they were once about nuclear weapons. Cyber attack is less immediately frightening than a nuclear exchange, but it's also a great deal more difficult to deter or to arrange confidence-building measures. Part of the problem lies in the problem of attribution. There are few human events less ambiguous than a missile launch. The same can't be said of a cyber attack, where misdirection and doubt are so notoriously pervasive. CyberScoop quotes FireEye's CEO Kevin Mandia on his company's own experience investigating the SolarWinds supply chain compromise. FireEye's Mandiant unit was among the first to discover the problem and attribute the action to Russia. Mandia told a CyberScoop organized conference yesterday, quote, That's the challenge of cyberspace. It is so anonymous and they have such great plausible deniability that it makes it frustrating to understand that if anything happens in the physical world, is it genuinely connected to the cyber world or not? What I learned from the SolarWinds implant and who they targeted was that the software and security companies are absolutely fair game for espionage. End quote. Russia has consistently denied involvement in the SolarWinds incident, as well as involvement in the recent ransomware attacks that Cisco's Talos unit characterized as privateering. And finally, speaking of extradition, the so-called Face of Anonymous, who'd been living in Mexico, has been shipped back to the United States, where he's wanted for a variety of computer crimes. And no, that face isn't a Guy Fox mask, but rather, as Naked Security reports, the natural face of one Christopher Doyon, who goes by the hacker name Commander X, who allegedly skipped bail in California back in 2011 to live as a celebrity fugitive in Canada and then Mexico, where he was apprehended last week and extradited to the U.S. on June 12th. 
Mr. Doyon, now 56 years old and a former resident of Mountain View, California, in the center of Silicon Valley, faces charges of failing to appear for a 2012 status hearing after his arrest in connection with a distributed denial-of-service attack against systems belonging to Santa Cruz County, California. The DDoS was allegedly part of a protest against changes to Santa Cruz enforcement policies that would have affected when and where homeless people might camp in the jurisdiction. The U.S. Department of Justice explains that failure to appear after pretrial release carries a maximum penalty of two years' imprisonment, a $250,000 fine, and three years of supervised release. The Justice Department says with respect to the 2011 indictment, the maximum statutory penalty for conspiracy to cause intentional damage to a protected computer is 10 years' imprisonment, three years of supervised release, and a fine of $250,000, plus restitution if appropriate. So stay in school, friends. Straighten up and fly right. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Security professionals recently found themselves the targets of online social engineering campaigns specifically targeting them and the enhanced access they may have to their clients' and companies' systems. Jay Paz is Director of Pentest Operations and Research at Pentest platform provider Cobalt, and he joins us with these insights. It's important to note, right, that when we're talking about hacker, we aren't just talking about malicious attackers. We are talking about security professionals that make a living assessing networks or applications uh, for customers or for their own company. Uh, And so they are also here considered a hacker, right? And then the other side of it is 
those that are malicious attackers, those that um, you know are doing it for for the financial aspect of it, or just as part of a a group, a state funded group, perhaps um, those are also hackers. And so we want to make sure that we are capturing both of those personas in this conversation. And what is it about a cybersecurity professional that makes them particularly attractive uh, to adversaries? The amount of knowledge that they have, uh, what they know about the environments that they're testing or the companies that they work for. They have a insider knowledge that is extremely valuable uh, for uh, those individuals that are doing this for malicious reasons. So what are your recommendations? I mean, what what, what should organizations do to make sure that these folks uh, don't fall particular victim to these adversaries? I think the, the best thing that any organization can do is not assume, right? Um, and we talked about it a little bit, that assumption that security professionals uh, know how to defend their own environments uh, is flawed. And a lot of times, uh, security awareness training or even more in-depth training isn't provided to some of these individuals either to uh, save money uh, or because they don't feel like they need it. And I think similarly, it's important for security professionals to realize that uh, we need to continue to learn and to continue to stay ahead of the malicious attackers. Uh, and so I think it's a, a partnership between the organization and the individual uh, to really make sure that those gaps are are being covered. Yeah, it strikes me that um, you know this this may require a certain amount of humility to to recognize that yes, even though you are above the average person when it comes to knowledge of these things, there are still areas where they can come at you. A hundred percent, and I think that that's true in any profession, right? Like you see, major league baseball players getting out there and and getting their reps in batting practice and field practice. And just because they've made it to the big show doesn't mean that they they can't improve or that they shouldn't continue to practice or, or get better at their craft. And I think that applies to all of us as well. It's important for, for all of us to realize that um, these malicious attackers are continuously getting better and better at what they do. And they are finding new targets and new approaches to arrive at the information that they're trying to steal. Uh, and while today this hacker on hacker attack may be the thing, tomorrow it could be a completely different group of people that they are targeting. And so it's important to look at our security programs in a more holistic approach to make sure that we're capturing all of these nuances. That's Jay Paz from Cobalt. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber.
Joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute and also my co-host over on the Hacking Humans podcast. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Uh, interesting story caught my eye, and I thought it would interest you, you being a gamer, yes, I know. I, I'm elite gamer, Dave. <laughs> so so <laughs> this is an article written by Becky Bracken. It's over on the ThreatPost website, and it's titled Steam Gaming Platform Hosting Malware. There's some interesting details here. Unpack it for us, Joe. All right, so it's it sounds uh, a lot scarier than it is for, for Steam users, but it's not really... Uh, What's happening here, let me tell you what's happening here, Mm -hmm. is somebody out there has figured out that they can use Steam as a distribution platform for uh, images that have a set of malicious code or some malicious code packed into something called the ICC profile. Mm -hmm. Uh, ICC profile is, the ICC is the International Color Consortium. Right. And they work on standardizing colors across applications. Yeah. Uh, and image formats like PNG, Portable Network Graphic, which is uh, an, o- an open image format, uh, have allowances for putting these profiles into the image. Right. Now, I-, I looked up the specification of these, and these profiles can be of N bits long, which means they can be arbitrarily big. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what that means is that you can put anything in there that you want – and it probably will not affect the rendering of the image. Right. But it, it may not be a valid ICC profile, but it's still there. Yeah. And the ICC profiles are there. So if you were to send an image off to be printed, for example. Correct. Uh, it would tell the printer, this, these are the things you need to know about this image to have it print properly. Yeah. Here are the exact colors I want you to use. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and the printer has its interpretation from the ICC and the image displayer has its, you know, the application you're using has its interface with the ICC. Um, and so it's, it's just basically a standardized way of doing things. Right. It's just being abused here as, as an opportunity. But the code will not run on its own, right? So if you just view the image, that doesn't run the code. Okay. What has to happen is somebody has to be tricked into running uh, some other code that goes out, fetches the image, gets the decompressed code out of the image, and then executes the decompressed code. Hmm. So what they're speculating is happening here is that they're prepping for a larger scale attack. Uh, they're going to send out a bunch of phishing emails or a bunch of um, uh, probably just a bunch of phishing emails. And they're going to uh, get people to click on links or download malicious attachments that are really uh, very small. And that's really the objective here mm. is the the distribution of the malware Will be uh, will be easier because the malware that actually goes out and fetches this image will be tiny, right? Maybe a couple lines of code. Okay, uh, and then it's going to go out to Steam, which you can access as a web as a, through a web interface and get this image, download the image, unpack the uh, the ICC profile, find the code, execute the code. That's how I this see. is going to work. So they're basically hiding this code in plain sight on right. a publicly accessible. Uh, website yep. that is Steam and and profile images don't don't generally draw a whole lot of attention to exactly. themselves. Exactly. We've seen this done before on Twitter. Um, we've uh, Twitter being used for command and control and uh, and other other social media sites. Any any place you can put a public image, mm-hmm. you can do this. But this is the first time we're seeing it on Steam. Hmm. How does has um, has Steam had any response to this? As of the recording. No, it's owned by Valve. Steam is owned by Valve mm-hmm. uh, Software, and they have not responded to it. I I don't know how they would respond to it. Uh, you know, it's or how they would control for this. 
Um, I mean, I guess you could check the ICC profile and make sure it's not being abused, or you could limit image size. Yeah. Uh, but the, 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 actually, these are just source code, so it's going to be small anyway. Right. I mean, right. checking for image size is not going to be very helpful. I would, I'd say, I mean, I wonder if you could just simply strip the ICC code info out of images that are being used as profile pictures. You could strip a lot of the metadata out. They're yeah. being just displayed on a screen. So, right. So presumably, you know, it's not something, it wouldn't make that much of a difference if you were to do so for security reasons. But who knows? I mean, Steam's big, so there are lots of, lots of images up there, right? Right. They have, uh, this article actually gives you the number. They've got over 20 million users. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, one of the things that fascinates me about this is, is that, you know, uh, over the years I've had to uh, shed my perception that graphics files are pretty much benign. Right. You know, because they've become a popular place for folks to hide things. Right. Well, I mean, still, if you, if you just look at the graphic, if you just look at loaded up in a web browser, nothing's going to happen. Right. You're gonna have to have the loader execute the software. Now, I guess if you could, if you wanted to, you could, uh, you know, compile and run the code yourself that you find in some random image, but I, I wouldn't recommend, recommend doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's an edge case for sure. That seems, yeah. yeah. That seems yeah. like a very bad idea. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, interesting thing to look out for. I mean, is there, is, is, is this imminent? As you said, it seems like they're preparing for something else. So, I mean, any advice for folks uh, to protect themselves here? Uh, I would say the standard advice: don't, don't, uh, don't open email attachments, don't, mm. don't click on links, uh, those kind of things. Right. Uh, it's, it's. There's not really anything you can do. Steam. One of the reasons I think they're using Steam is because a lot of legitimate traffic goes to Steam. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it wouldn't stick out, especially if you if you if you have a Steam client installed, it won't stick out on any packet capture tools because it will just look like normal traffic. I see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, again, it's over on uh, ThreatPost. Uh, the article is titled Steam Gaming Platform Hosting Malware. Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured.
Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 